Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Good morning, church. Now, those of you that have been hovering around the last few weeks and paying attention, those aren't always the same thing, would have come here expecting the fourth and final installment of our four-week series we called Rumble Strip. And I've been, over the last three weeks, uh, had a steady stream of encouraging feedback about how God has spoken to people and helped them understand that His love and the freedom He gives us doesn't mean He wants us to do everything that we possibly could, but rather He actually protects us from some things. Being fantastic. And I was gearing up to preach the fourth and final installment. Uh, and on Monday this week, I just wasn't feeling it. And whenever I have been not feeling it, I trust that God's actually pulling the handbrake up and saying, all right, just leave that and I've got something else. And that's something else I always hope and pray and actually I'm confident in is something because he's done that, that he's got a specific word for somebody or somebody's this morning. Because we don't ever want to be the sort of church that just teaches interesting facts about God but rather that we would set up God's Word in such a way that is so helpful that you and I get to step further into the knowledge of Jesus and His plans and His promises for us. So this morning, I'm just going to teach a one-off message called Step Into the Promise. Next week, we're going to launch a new series called The Good Work, uh, taken from a, a story in history, one of my favorite stories in history, and actually a story in history that I've taken personally and, and applied principles in my own life from Nehemiah and the call that God gave to Nehemiah to actually go and, and rebuild the wall uh, for God's honor and God's glory. So be here for that. At this stage, it's going to be a four-week series. <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> Let's pray, huh? God, I thank you that uh, you're always speaking. And I pray that, God, that we're people who are always listening. And this morning, as we share from your word, from something you did incredible in history, that we would have hearts open, and God, that you would speak very clearly and tell us what it is that you've had for us, that we're not just here to fill time, to tick a box, to, to do some religious duties, to be cultural Christians, but people that are passionately pursuing you and your promises and your plans and your purposes in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you say amen. Some of you say hey man. We don't, we don't care. It means so be it, so you can just say so be it. Louie and I, uh, our previous uh, church involvement was just down the road at Riverview Church, and uh, we actually worked together for a season there. Uh, I was her boss uh, on paper, and uh, <laughs> one of the things in our portfolio is we, we led a, a network of, of leaders of churches across, of large churches throughout Australia and New Zealand. And uh, one of the things we would do with, uh, for those uh, leaders of those churches is gather them every 18 months somewhere in the kind of Southern Hemisphere. And we try to 
pick somewhere nice, like a sort of a destination thing, make it a little bit more alluring. So Sunny Coast was one of our venues on a couple of occasions, Gold Coast on a couple of occasions, Melbourne CBD, we got kind of urban chic in one of the, the conferences. And then there was one that we kept going back to every few times. It was Queenstown, New Zealand. Now, the southern island of New Zealand, if you haven't been, it is spectacular. It's one of those places, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, you feel like you've been there. Uh, it's one of those places that you see the postcards and you see the Instagram photos and you think, oh, surely not. And you go there and it's even better than you expected. It, it, it doesn't over promise and underdeliver. My dad, when he was in his early 20s, he hitchhiked the length of New Zealand and he specifically said that when it was time for him to move on from some time spent in Queenstown, he actually walked out of Queenstown backwards so he could savor the view for as long as practical. And uh, there's a beautiful lake right at the front of Queenstown called Lake Wakatipu. Apologies to all my Maori friends for butchering that word. On the opposite side of the lake, you, you look at the Remarkables and Coronet Peak and this beautiful mountain range just so close you could feel like you'd reach out and touch it. And uh, prior to us running the conference there, I'd been there a couple of times for other reasons. And been there on the sort of down season, uh, the shoulder season, aka the cheap season, and uh, got a nice place, was able to sit out on the balcony, look over the water, look over the mountains, read my book, sip my coffee, and tell Louis, you know, Louis, when you go there, like that, like that, just to be able to sit there and look at the lake and look at the man, just, it'll take your breath away. It's just, it is spectacular. And uh, so we came to running this conference, and we booked the, the hotel for all the delegates, all the, the church leaders to stay at. And uh, we said to them, you know, give us, we're running the conference, so leaders go last. So we'll just give us the, the, the worst, you know, the least spectacular accommodation, which, you know, it's Queenstown. The least spectacular is still guaranteed to be pretty spectacular. And so we got there and I said, hey, babe, Checked into our hotel, get our room key, go to there, go into the, into the, into the room. I say, hey, babe, check this out. And I pulled back the curtains and I said, and we had this incredible close-up view of the hotel next door. And it was, it really did take our breath away. <laughs> I did not necessarily like being the exception of all the people at the conference. We were the only ones that didn't have a lake and mountain view. Anyway, if you've got our app, tap on the Bible tile. I'm going to take you to a slice of history where God did something incredible. And actually, there was someone that experienced an exception. But unlike the exception being you don't get the view, this was the sort of exception that you want to. Because the thing about exceptions, some exceptions are here's the good stuff and you're not going to get it. And other exceptions are, here's the good stuff and only you're going to get it. And I always want to be on the side of, I want to be accepted. I want to be the exception that I'm going to be one of the people that experiences the good stuff, especially when it comes to God's promises. So this backstory, this is talking about the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel in that period of history was God's chosen people. And they'd been living in captivity in Egypt for around 400 years. And when I say captivity, literally slavery. Th these people are the ones that built the pyramids. This was, this was not a great uh, living and great situation for them. And God promised to deliver them. While they were still in ca captivity, God spoke through a guy named Moses and promised that he would deliver them. 
but not only deliver them, but that he would actually send them into a land that he promised them, and he described it as a land flowing with milk and honey. Because here's one thing we need to understand. God doesn't just ever want to deliver us from something. He wants to also deliver us into something. So it's not only that you're leaving this, it's also that you're going to be inheriting that. And he had this spectacular imagery for them. You're going to go into this land I promised you, leave slavery and something that's not just a a slight upgrade, but something that's better and bigger than anything you could even ask for or imagine. This land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses is like, that sounds pretty good. So he gathered, Israel was divided into 12 tribes at the time, and he gathered a representative from each of the 12 tribes, and he asked them to go and spy out this promised land. So they snuck off and went and spied out the promised land, and they came back. And those 12 spies, they all said the exact same thing when they gave their report to Moses. They said, well, yeah, sure, man, I tell you what, we saw it. There sure is a whole lot of milk And there sure is a whole lot of honey. This place, incredible. But there's a detail that God failed to include, Moses. Uh, There are giants in fortified towers all through this land. And we looked like grasshoppers to them. All 12 of them said that to Moses. And so, but 10 of the 12 then said, so therefore there's no way we're gonna be able to take a hold of that promise. However, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, in that moment said, actually, no. We can and we will step into that promise. See, Caleb and Joshua, they didn't have what a particular political administration currently orbiting our planet calls alternate facts. They actually had all the same facts. There were milk and honey, There was giants, but what Caleb and Joshua had wasn't different facts. They had a different spirit. They had a different spirit. And when you have a different spirit, that causes you to have a different perspective. They all all saw the same facts, but they they didn't all see the same reality. Because the reality for, for, for for the 10 that said we couldn't possibly go in there was that the giants weren't just bigger than them, but that the giants were bigger than the God who sent them the promise in the first place. And yet Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit and from their different spirit came a different perspective. And they were like, these giants, they ain't never seen grasshoppers quite like us. So let's go. And they set out. And this journey should have been pretty straightforward. It should have been like, the Egyptians actually let them go. They didn't have to escape. Moses asked the boss, the Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, yeah, all right. I mean, not the first time around, but eventually. <laughs> and off they went through the desert. And, and, and uh, it should have been pretty straightforward, just like, like a pilgrimage, go from A into B. And yet the Israelites wandered around in the desert, umming and ahhing, grumbling, and complaining for 40 years. And this is what God said. He spoke to Moses and Aaron, who were the big bosses at the time. How? This is like, how long is this going to go on? 
all this grumbling against me by this evil infested community. This is God's chosen people he's referring to, by the way. I've had my fill of complaints from these grumbling Israelites. Tell them, as I live, God's decree, here's what I'm going to do. Your corpses are going to litter the wilderness. Every one of you, 20 years and older, who was counted in the census, this whole generation of grumblers and grousers, not one of you will enter the land and make your home there. The firmly, get this, the firmly and solemnly promised land, except for Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. I remember uh, years ago, I was in Orlando, Florida, and I was there in July, and Orlando, Florida in July is not the time you want to go to Orlando, Florida. It's the height of summer, it's tropics, and I'd been there for just over a week, and I'm like, I literally, I literally had run out of sweat. I, I, I had no more sweat to sweat. And I'm like, I gotta just get, I'm gonna get in, I gotta get on that plane. And the flight time or the travel time from Orlando, which is literally a 12 hour time zone change, to Perth is a 36 hour continuous commute, you know, with stopovers. And I'm like, oh. and I, I'm, I'm flying economy, and I'm just like, you, you sort of can gear up for that, but only so much, because you know it's still gonna be brutal. And I'm, you know, I've checked in and I'm sitting in the, 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 the gate area waiting to board. And I hear the intercom call out, would Mark Palmery, Mark Palmery, please come to the desk, Mark Palmery. And I'm like, oh, if they've overbooked this flight and they want to bounce me onto the next one, that's just not going to work because I've then got to connect in LA, I've got to connect in Sydney. And, and, and I, 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 it's going to be 36 hours. Please don't make me spend any longer than that. So I go up there, getting a little bit annoyed, a bit frustrated. I mean, I treat people nice, but hi, I'm Mark Palmery. <laughs> if I say Mark, I think I say Mike, so I go with it, Mark. They said, uh, they said oh, Mr. Palmery, uh, just like to let you know, we've, uh, we've got you an upgrade uh, from economy to a business class. Would that be okay? <laughs> what? Okay. And so here's, when it came to the boarding call, here's what, this isn't what they said, but this is what I heard. We'd like to let you know that uh, gate 38 is now open for boarding. Everybody that paid for economy ticket is going to be flying economy, <clears throat> except for Mark Palmery. <laughs> there are some times when you want to be the exception. None of these grumblers are going to enter the promised land except for Caleb and Joshua. Now, I've said this before many times, standing up here, and I quote myself, and I quote, if God said it, that settles it. Sounds good, huh? Preaches well, shows up okay on Instagram. If God says it, that settles it. You've got to feel the wind of the Holy Spirit rush through you when you hear that. Now, I still believe that, but it's not the whole story. Because God promised all of them this land. And yet by this stage in history, he said, yeah, I'm not going to take the promise back, but you all aren't going to get it. In fact, none of you 
except for Caleb and Joshua are going to step in to the promise. So what, what was it that was different about Caleb and Joshua that caused them to be this, the exception and the sort of exception that you want to be the exception? Now, I mentioned this nation of Israel had lived in captivity for 400 years. And uh, one of my former staff, whose son is sitting over there, one of my former staff uh, stopped working for me and went to become a prison guard. And I was like, what did I do as your boss that (laughs) makes you think that working as a prison guard is going to be an upgrade in your career path? But anyway, it happened. And uh, she told me when she first got into it, I'm like, how, you know, how, like, like, this is obviously a whole other world, you know, in, the, in maximum security prison. Tell me, just tell me a bit about it. And she said, you know, one of the things that, 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 that is the first thing that strikes you is everything is routine. Everything. You are told when you're going to get up. You are told when you're going to go to bed. You are told when you're going to eat your meals. You're going to told when you're going to get out into the, to the, to the yard, you're told when you're going to get back into the yard. And I'm like, well, you know, that makes sense. She said, the downside of that is every one of those prisoners, because of the fact that everything's decided for them, they're actually living their lives like juveniles. They're actually living their lives like children because they don't have to make any decisions. See, when you're a child, everything's decided for you. And so what happened is that these uh, Israelites had been living in captivity where everything was decided for them. And they were then set free. And you would think that that's the upgrade. You used to be captives, now you're living in freedom. The problem was they didn't know how to live as free people. They didn't know how to make decisions. They didn't know how to process things. They hadn't grown up because they'd never been required to grow up. And so whilst freedom for them as they moved through the desert looked like or should have looked like an upgrade, it actually, they struggled. They struggled because they refused to grow up. And here's the thing about freedom. Freedom requires us to grow up. And if we don't grow up, the freedom that God promised is going to feel worse than the captivity He's trying to deliver us from. This is why you know some people, and I hope you aren't some of the people, but you know some people that they are the same in their 30s as they were in their 20s. And then they're the same in their 40s as they were in their 30s because whilst they grew older, they never grew up because growing up requires us to take on more and more responsibility. It requires us to put back, put away, put down some old ways of thinking, some small ways of behaving, some toxic ways of talking. And if we refuse to do that because that's what we've known, then while we might look free, we're actually living in captivity and we're never gonna step into the promise. Now, 40 years on, and they'd been wandering around, grumbling, and, and I don't know what a grouser is, grumbling and complaining. Uh, and then they got, they got near, the ones that survived, got near this land flowing with milk and honey, near. And Joshua, who'd taken over from Moses as the, as the boss, he said to nine and a half, I, I can't get too 
fixated on that, of the 12 tribes. Okay, tribe number one, you can have that piece of land over there. Peace time, move in. Tribe number two, you can have that slice of land, peacetime, move in, and three and four and so on and so forth and so on and so forth. Boom, got through them all. And then there's two left, the tribe of Joshua and the tribe of Caleb. The people of Judah, Caleb's tribe, came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb spoke. You'll remember... What God said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me, back at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of God, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back an honest and accurate report. My companions, the other 10 spies, with me, they discouraged the people, but I stuck to my guns totally with God, my God. And that was the day that Moses solemnly promised, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, you and your children's forever. Yes, you have lived totally for God. Caleb continues, now look at me. God has kept me alive as he promised. It's now 45 years since God spoke this word to Moses. Years in which, I've, uh, which Israel wandered in the wilderness. And here I am today, 85 years young. I'm as strong as I was the day Moses sent me out. I'm as strong as ever in battle, whether coming or going. So give me this hill country that God promised me. You yourself heard the report that the Anakim, that was the giants, were there with great fortress cities. And if God goes with me, I will drive them out just as God said. So let me just do a real quick flyover of Three things that Caleb did that caused him to be the exception. The promised land is now ready for boarding. Ten tribes will not be getting in there except for Caleb and Joshua. What? My companions who went with me discouraged the people, but I stuck to my guns totally with God, my God. There was a faith component that Caleb had that the other 10 spies didn't have. They just thought the battle was gonna be between them, the grasshoppers, and the giants, and yet Caleb, he realized, no, the battle's gonna be with us, the grasshoppers, and God together against the giants. And if I was wanting to be anybody in this story, I want to be the grasshopper because the grasshopper have God. And this thing, this word faith, it gets thrown around a lot. If you've been orbiting the church's sphere for any length of time, you've probably heard it defined 50 ways. You know, sometimes it's just like this kind of like constipation, kind of like, like, if you've got faith, you're going to look and speak like you're constipated. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then you open your eyes and, and nothing's changed. That's not faith. That's just chanting. Some people will tell you, well, faith is, is, everything is milk and honey. And it's kind of this denial idea that, you know, just look to God. Well, here's the thing that I've noticed. 
don't be the sort of person that only sees the milk and honey because you're going to get crushed by some giants. But don't be the sort of person that only sees the giants either because you're never going to step up and tackle the giants. In faith, Caleb demonstrated this, is acknowledging that, you know what, there are certain things, there are certain challenges, there are certain obstacles that me, by myself, based on my own limitations, my own capabilities, where I'm at in my life, my struggles in the past, my current circumstances, there's some things that I cannot possibly overcome on my own. And yet I'm not going to allow them to be the obstacles to, to, to prevent me from inheriting and stepping into the promises of God. And I know the gap, the difference, the distance between where I'm at with my limitations and God's promises is me saying, God, you and me together, let's go fight this battle. And Caleb had that perspective from day one and he held on to that perspective for 45 more years. And he said to Joshua, now look at me. God has kept me alive as he promised. It's now 45 years since God spoke this word to Moses. Years in which Israel wandered in the wilderness. And here I am today, 85 years old. And I'm as strong as I was the day Moses sent me out. I'm as strong as ever in battle, whether coming or going. In January, we had an uh, Italian family, uh, Louis, full-blooded Italian, FBI, uh, we had an Italian family uh, hang out for a week or so in Dunsborough. And um, the final night, we decided, you know, we went out for dinner. And um, we went, anyway, we went out to dinner. This open air uh, kind of place in Dunsborough, January. Beautiful. And it's a grass park area adjacent to the, to the uh, restaurant. And before dinner came, uh, we had our four-year-old uh, nephew Isaac with us. Before dinner came, Uncle Mark was playing with our nephew Isaac and running races and ball kicking and just, you know, things that boys do. And then we went and, and had dinner and, and Isaac, he ordered off the kid's menu, uh, which is French fries. And uh, his, his uh, food got delivered before we'd even placed our order. And, so he, and then he just vacuumed those fries up like four-year-old boys do. And then he's there, Uncle Mark, play with me. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. What? Uncle Mark's got to have dinner first. Okay. Two minutes later, Uncle Mark, play with me. Yeah, sure, I will. You got it. Uh, but uh, Uncle Mark's got to have dinner first. So now they bring the meal, put it in front of me. I get about three bites into it, and he grabs my shirt, and he goes, you're taking too long. <laughs> now listen. I think that's an acceptable thing for a four-year-old boy to do. But if he's still doing that when he's 44, <laughs> I would be led to conclude that there's something that he has missed in his developmental pathway up to this point. When he comes and tugs on the shirt of the 89-year-old guy, me, you're taking too long! I'd be like, Listen, mate, take your seven kids that you've had since then. Go and play yourself. 45 years 
I don't care who you are or what the promise was. That sounds like a long time, right? I mean, sometimes we want God's promise within 45 seconds. Because we're, we're the, you know, I send you a text message. I want to see the bubbles forming on my phone within seconds of having sent the text message. Don't you be ghosting me. I want you to be typing. And I want that thing coming through real, real soon. If I have to actually walk away from my device and then come back within two minutes and pick it up just to check if you've replied, we've got a problem. We have apps that supposedly delete your posts. We, if we want to know something, you just Google it, which is, you know, fine. But it's another way of saying you can access the answer to most questions straight away. The challenge is there is sometimes an actual time delay between God's promise and us actually stepping into the promise. See, see the promise is like God putting down the contract on the land. Here's, here's the contract, and, I, and I'm offering you the contract. And then what you do is you start to add your faith to that, and when you add your faith to that, that's like putting a down payment on the land. But, but the, the, the issue of the contract and the issue and, and the signing of, over of the deposit is not the same as stepping into the land. That hasn't happened yet. And there's sometimes God causes us to wait. And I don't always know why. Listen, I'm sometimes the guy shaking my fist at God saying, you're taking too long. And I'm, I, look, Come on now. I've been known to give God some advice of how long things should take. Come on now. You have two, right? But I don't say that. Like, it's not like I'm there to tell God how to do his job. I say it like this. You know, God, if it were up to me, I would have done that by now, which is you know, a very British way of shaking your fist at God. And yet, Caleb demonstrated that he was willing to wait 45 years. And so, here we have Caleb. He's talking to Joshua. Joshua's just allocated to the other tribes. And I can imagine Caleb's homies around him. Like, hey, Caleb, Hey, Caleb, uh, you seen that Joshua's been divvying up all the land? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're next. Yeah, yeah, we're next. Yeah, next. Yeah, Caleb says, yeah, we're next. <laughs> Man, we've been waiting 45 years for this. Uh, <laughs> Caleb, which bit do you think he's going to give us? And Caleb says, oh, <laughs> that's the best part. That's the most exciting part. See those mountains up there? Yeah, 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 see them, yeah. Up there are fortified cities occupied by giants, <laughs> protecting land, flowing with milk and honey. I know, because I've been there. I've seen it with my own eyes. And you know the best part? 
Nobody else wants it. <laughs> and so Caleb says to Joshua, give me, on behalf of his tribe, give me this hill country that God promised me. You yourself heard the report that the giants were there with their great fortress cities. But if God goes with me, I will drive them out just as God said. And so Joshua blessed him. He gave Hebron to Caleb as an inheritance. And Hebron belongs to Caleb still today because he gave himself totally to God, the God of Israel. When you first read this, and Caleb said, hey, the hilltop, the forts, the giants, Joshua, give, give us this. It looks like, because the next thing we read, Joshua blessed him. It looks like, it looks like Joshua blessed him with the land, but he didn't. He blessed him with the opportunity to go into battle for the land. Not only did no one else want the land, they didn't want the fight. And one of the reasons, and I never say this to be judgmental, but one of the reasons I have seen in my 25 years as a professional Christian, I have seen person after person after person after person settle for something less than God's best because to get into God's best required a fight. For, for them to experience breakthrough, they didn't realize that there was something that required them to break through. So they stayed on the wrong side of the barrier, the wrong side of the obstacle, the wrong side of the giant. And here's another thing that blows my mind about God. God actually allows us to settle. If we choose to, God actually allows it. It's not His best, but He allows it. All the while, he's, he's screaming out, you can choose to live there, but that's not where I promised. Yeah, it's maybe a little bit better than what you've come from, but it's still not what I wanted to deliver you into. There's a fight. There's a fight, but it's a fight worth fighting. And it's a fight that we're not required to fight on our own. The sort of grasshopper that they were talking about is the Mr. Miyagi kind of grasshopper where he says, ha, grasshopper. But it's not like he's not talking down to you. He's talking like you can take on and be and like that's God saying, man, you, you grasshopper, we're going to wax on, wax off like no giant could ever withstand because I promised you that land. But here's the thing. If God said it, that settles it. No. If God said it, hold on to it and then go after it and don't settle for anything less than God's promise, even if it takes 45 years. And I wondered as I was preparing this and studying this and, and, and praying about this, I wondered if some of you possibly are holding on to a promise and, and you've been screaming to God, it's taking too long. And God's reply to you is just a little bit longer. Keep moving, 
don't get stuck. Don't stop in the middle. And we sing about this and God's with us in the middle, but He doesn't want us to stay in the middle. And we may see a fight up the, the road and think, oh. We may have even come through a fight and go, great, there's another one. And what you learned from the previous fight, take everything you learned and all the training and all the experience and apply that to the next one and let's go get them. And so Caleb set off with his homies and we read what happened next. Post battle. God left out the blood and guts bit in this. I'm a bit disappointed myself. The name of Hebron used to be Kiriath Arbor, named after Arbor, the greatest man among the giants. Used to be called that until Caleb turned up. Now here's the thing. Caleb, the, the name Caleb means dog. We have a Caleb here this morning. He might not have known that. When his parents looked at him, they thought, you know what? We're not going to call him Calamari. We're going to call him Caleb. That means dog. But here's the thing. When Caleb entered the world, the, the name Caleb, listen carefully, Caleb. When Caleb entered the world, the word Caleb meant dog. But this Caleb changed his destiny. This Caleb changed the meaning of his name. Now God's promised land is named after So don't you be telling me or telling God all the reasons you can't take a hold of the promise. Oh, well, if you knew where I grew up. Yeah, but you didn't get called dog. You had a head start over Caleb. Oh yeah, but if you, listen, if God said it, that settles it. Now go after it. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand right now. How about you all get on your feet, including you, Caleb on your feet. And some of you, as I've been talking about this story, there's been a promise that you may have been vividly aware of when you walked in here that you haven't taken hold of yet, you haven't stepped into yet. Well, guys, let this be a moment of hope for you. Let this be a moment of encouragement for you. Let this be a moment of, oh boy, feels like it's been 44 years. Yeah, but year 45 is coming. Come on, don't give that up now. Maybe some of you, there's a promise you forgot about because it had been taking too long and you thought to yourself and you concluded, well, it hasn't happened yet. It mustn't still be on the table. God says, no, 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 no. If I said it, that settles it. So let's get into what you need to keep doing in order to step into that promise. So as we sing, we're going to just sing a little riff of this song. Just open your heart. Open your mind. Let God fill you with His Spirit, His courage. Let Him remind you of that promise. Let Him remind you that He's with you. Whether you think of yourself as a grasshopper, it's grasshopper plus God. No giant is a match for you when you team up with Him. And I'm going to pray for you. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.